Here's the big question this show answers. How do we leverage technology and human science to positively impact our personal and professional life? The tech human experience has the answer. Here's your host, Inc. 5000 tech founder, neuroscience junkie, and Navy SEAL wannabe, Javier Guerra. Hello, my fellow tech humans. Today's guest is a retired USAA executive leader and Alamo PMI fellow. He has showcased exceptional leadership in project management, education, and community involvement. As a university professor, author, and serial board president, he inspires us through his dedication. Please join me in welcoming Kevin D. Martin. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me. It's great to be back with you again, Javier. Yeah, absolutely. Always, uh, always a pleasure talking with you and picking your brain on some of these topics. Uh, you know, so to get us started today, I wanted to, to talk to you about this study that Price Waterhouse Coopers did. And they, in this study, they found that nearly 60% of organizations struggle to bridge the gap between their, their strategic plan and its day to day implementation. What, you know, what are your thoughts on this? And, you know, specifically, how can organizations maybe improve their execution in this rapidly changing environment? Yeah, um, I, I agree. I mean, I'm not sure. I haven't, I'm not familiar with that study, but it doesn't surprise me at all. Um, in the corporate world, there has always been this scenario, and I've been speaking for years, and I have a slide that a lot of people take a picture of. Um, but basically, it's this grinder. You know, every a uh, year there's annual planning, strategic planning, mm -hmm. and then some people do operational planning. Well, when you when you strategically plan, you expect to meet most of those goals. And what I have seen in this slide that I show is all of that plan goes down the tubes quickly um, for a variety of reasons. Um, Lack of understanding, lack of linkage, you know, mission, vision, values. Uh, people heard you say a word, but they interpreted it differently based on their understanding of that particular word. And so there's something that I, I'm terming uh, strategic execution excellence. Um, and that is the ability to see and understand in a very complex world because there are more things to manage and Technology is getting more complex. Uh, human interaction is getting more complex. Uh, and so that doesn't surprise me at all. And, and I think as a, as a professional and uh, you know, a researcher all my career, uh, I read 50 books a year for that exact reason. I'm always nice. looking for ways to, to do it with better excellence. I mean, if you're a professional, you should strive to be the best you can possibly be. And that means Absolutely. you never quit learning. Yep. Lifelong learner. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, one of my top five strengths is definitely learner. So, you know, my wife jokes that I'm just like consuming information like the cookie monster or something. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah, I'm, that I'm is constantly reading, taking courses. Yeah. So when you're wired that way, it's just, it's just your nature. You know, yeah. I'm retired. I'm 65 years old and I just got a certification. You know, the question is, why? What are you going to do with that? I don't know. I'm going to do something better. That, that's been, always been my motto. Um, you know, I'm not as good as I'll be tomorrow, but I'm better than I was yesterday. That's all I can tell you. That's a good one. I like that. I'm not 
What was it again? Sure. Uh, um, people say, how are you doing? And I say, well, I'm doing pretty good, but I'm not as good as I'm going to be I'm tomorrow, so but I'm better than I was yesterday. I'm not as I'm going to be. I'm not as I'm good not as I'm going to be tomorrow, but I'm better I'm, than I was yesterday. Nice. Because I'm every single day I yeah. learn something. You know, some of them are yeah. painful lessons and some of them are fun lessons and some of them are, you know, hard to absorb and some of them make you think differently. I mean, but I'm always I'm always striving to be better. Yeah, you know, my my biggest thing right now is I'm I'm actually using learning as a motivation to go to the gym early in the morning. Right. So get up yeah. for four thirty in the morning and then, yeah. you know, be at the gym by five o'clock. Yeah. And if I don't go to the gym, well, I don't get to listen to the uh -huh. whatever I don't get to watch the courses that I'm taking or I don't get to listen to the audiobooks that yeah. I'm currently reading unless I'm at the gym because I have both my ear pods in right. you know working you out. out that time yeah yeah and, and uh, so, so it's motivating me <laughs> it is and you know that's yeah. people always go how do you read so many books a year well it helps if you read 1600 words a minute that's just speed mm. uh, the second thing is is I try to read 30 minutes every day no matter what yeah um, and it's usually right before I go to sleep um, because my brain tends to process it like it won't mm. let it go. And so some of my best ideas are in the shower the morning after I've read something that my oh, yeah. subconscious ruminated on all night long. So yep. I try to make this old brain work all the time, even when I'm sleeping. Yeah. Having Alexa it annoys my wife because I have Alexa like yeah. blaring in the bathroom and I'm in the shower. Oops. I just, I just woke up Alexa. That's too funny. I have the same problem. <laughs> I had a, I have Alexa like in almost every room in the house and, and in the bathroom while I'm in the shower, I can listen to audiobooks, right? Yeah. Um, sometimes because like other times I just shut it off and, yeah. you know, ideas come up for yeah. sure. It's like I meditation and updates. action. You know, mine are usually, you know, when the alarm goes off, it goes right into my news updates, like what happened while I was sleeping. Uh, what's yeah. my, you know, it'll tell me my schedule. So again, nice to have that technology, right? Yeah, good, good. There's pros and cons. <laughs> it is. But, uh, okay, so that, let's dive into today's topic. Uh, today's topic is proper planning in a VUCA world when it matters most. And for those yeah. of you who don't know what VUCA means, it, it stands for volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. Right. And so in, in this episode, we'll discuss the importance of strategic planning adaptability and data-driven decision-making in today's VUCA environment. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So thanks for that. You know, volatility. I mean, what does that mean? I mean, is, what does volatility have to do with? And that is um, systems. Everybody is a system. Every, everything we, we live, we're, humans are systems. And so a, a system that's volatile has a range of movement, right, in, in its uh, execution. And we all are humans. Some days we have good days and sometimes we have bad days. That's volatility, right? Because if you always yeah. have good days, it's not a very volatile environment. All right. The next one is uncertainty. And I think uncertainty is probably one of the things that has changed recently for most of us because we don't know, we don't know what to count on. Like what's for sure these days? Like what's certainty? The opposite, absent, opposite of uncertainty is certainty. So what's certain these days? What do they say? Death and taxes are certain. After that, everything else is pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so so how do you fight against uncertainty? We'll talk about that. The next one is complexity, and that is, you know, 
the world is getting more complex, right? More things to manage, uh, more things that distract you from your day. So complexity is the C in the VUCA. And, uh, and then the last one is amb ambiguity. And that is when you look at something, you think you know what you're looking at because your brain tries to process it, put it in a box, understand it. But sometimes you don't like you don't really understand it fully. Let's put it that way. Right. So you see it one way initially. And then if you study it long enough, hey, it's that. But it's also this other thing. All right. So that's the VUCA. And uh, I think I started tracking the VUCA stuff probably around 1986, something like that. Uh, in the paper. It wasn't ever called VUCA back then. But um, the War College put it into place back in the 90s, 97, United States War College. And so the military mm -hmm. operate in a VUCA world, right? They're very volatile, yep. right? Absolutely. Uh, they they don't know things about the operating environment that, that the military is in. So they're trying to prepare their leaders uh, for this for this four aspects and then what and what can they do about it and then in 2001 the thing that solidified it now we're talking 2001 was 22 years ago uh the 9-11 event made us look at that event and say wow we thought that we had and understood and knew the capabilities of our enemies and man did we like misinterpret that right we we didn't think it was possible to fly you know planes because they had shown a propensity for doing that right in the past right they tried to drive a truck in and park it in the garage and stuff like that and so you know your competitors are looking for ways to beat you i mean that's the message to business leaders oh, yeah is you know if, if you aren't if you aren't busy managing risk your competitors are coming right and if you just set it and forget it or become complacent, um, they'll eventually catch you because they're working hard. All right. So let's let's end there. That's that's VUCA. Right. That's that's the uh, observation that that leaders said, wow, how do we get better at that? Well, there's four elements to combating those four maladies. Mm -hmm. So for volatility, um, you have to have some kind of vision. So if your system's doing this, good days, bad days, good days, bad days, good days, bad days, right? You ever have a medium day? What does that feel like? And how do you have more of those? No no high highs, no low lows? That sounds better, doesn't it? Hmm. So you know, what can you do to improve the volatility or reduce the volatility? And that is have a vision. And like you said, you plan your day out, right? You have a vision for how your day is going to go. And if you fall off of that plan, it feels more volatile. Like I thought I was going to do this, but then this got in the way. And we have more of those interruptions more now. With VUCA in, in the context of VUCA, you know, how can leaders really effectively leverage technology to better assess economic and operational risks in the environment or in the world? Yeah, so responding to the VUCA condition, um, you know, volatility, uh, you can have better vision. Um, where are we going, right, to take some of that uh, 
variance out of the volatility, right, stay closer to the center point, um, have a better vision, and that, that can help uh, with volatility. As far as uncertainty, if you look at the opposite of uncertainty, you have to improve understanding, and that is uh, make sure that you use the right words and that the use of and, and your understanding of the words as a leader that you use um, is the same understanding that the people that you're speaking to have. And so, you know, the English language is pretty imprecise. You know, you can say, have a nice day. And the tone that you say mm -hmm. it in can say things that you didn't intend. Uh, you know, words like agile, I always joke that people are like, oh, are, are you doing agile? And everybody's like, oh, yeah, I'm agile. And to me, that's like saying, are, are you a human? Oh, yeah, I'm human. I don't know anything. <laughs> and so, you know, make sure that we understand what does agile mean to you? You know, people come back and say, well, we need more agility in our organization. Well, I always ask, well, how would you know if we had it? I mean, what are we measuring on? Yep. Is it adaptability? Is it software engineering? I mean, what would be the attribute? So that creating that understanding and use of terminology within your sphere of influence and the people who listen to you will help all the people who follow you and execute operationally for you uh, understand what you mean by a particular word. Because, again, the English language is so imprecise that we assume that everybody has the understanding. You know, I, I, I use mm -hmm. when I teach this at the university. I say a phrase, it's like a project management phrase, let's all go have a nice lunch. Sounds like a great thing. I mean, how would you have trouble executing that? Every word I have in that sentence is ambiguous. Let's all, who's that? In the room, in the room, in the world? I mean, go, how are we gonna get there? What does go mean? Let's all go. Where we, how are we going? Are we going by plane, train, automobile? I mean, what does go mean? And then uh, a nice lunch. Well, you know, what is a nice lunch? And I promise you, everybody that listens to this has a different connotation for what a nice yeah. lunch is. You know, I joke. A nice lunch for a project manager or a busy leader is anything not eating at your desk, doing seven other things. I mean, yeah. it could be a peanut butter sandwich. If you just sit on a picnic table and eat it by yourself without interruption, that's a nice lunch. Yeah, I just had a conversation literally before this this recording, and uh, I'm leading an executive team through a few workshops at a at an international bank, and we were just talking about communication that that's one of the hardest skills, right? That it, everybody's different, everybody has their own perception of reality, everybody has their own yep. you know methodologies, but but it makes me think of a, a method of duplication, and I forgot who coined this, but. And the, and the method of communicating it, it called duplication. It's like when I communicate something to someone else, I ask them to repeat it back to me. Okay. What did you hear? Yeah. Yeah. What did you hear that I needed? And then they re repeat it back to me in their own words right. until we get it ironed out and we're That's both right. on the same page. Yeah. Because if you don't do that, it can cause so many problems. It, it is, it is truly a lost art to do that. Yeah. And, and, and time yeah. puts pressure on us, right? We have so much, we only give them so much of our time, but if you communicate the wrong thing, it's actually more, detrimental than if you take the time to clarify it. There's a great book. Yeah. I told you I read a lot of books. There's a great book called The Lost Art of Listening. And there's mm -hmm. five levels of listening. And if you ever want to test this, just, just take five people and go watch any movie. And then debrief, what did you see in the movie? 
I promise you, mm-hmm. you watch the same movie, you will get five different interpretations about well, about that movie. And that, you know, it's not important; it's just entertainment. But people see things in the context of, as you said, their understanding, yeah. and uh, so it, it's fun thing. So that that that's how that's how you drive out uncertainty is you create understanding to make sure that your messaging is clear. And it is the hardest job for leaders. Uh, the next one has to do with complexity. And that is our systems are becoming more and more complex. There's more components mm-hmm. uh, to a day, to a process. Uh, more integration of, of data and information creates complexity. Um, and so the way to uh, combat complexity is to discuss and ensure clarity. Like, what do you see when you look at this? What do you see? And and most people looking at a system that is integrated behind the scenes only see the front-facing interaction, the human interaction part of it, right? But behind a complex system is data, processing, rules, regulations. I mean, there's all kinds of things about uh, complexity that you need to understand and clarify are there any constraints? Are there any assumptions? And one of the ways I do that, I have a phrase that I coined, which is uh, which I use throughout my career to say, how do you know? I mean, if somebody says this is the way it is, my four, my four words that I put together was, how do you know? And what I'm asking is, tell me the clarity with which you arrived at that conclusion, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, and so that's how I drive out in my VUCA world, you know, what – how do you know what you're looking at is the real thing? And then there's ambiguity. And the way that ambiguity is about, ooh, I didn't see that coming. <clears throat> and what I see a lot of <clears throat> uh, leaders doing is they do what they've always done to get and to be successful, right? And so they just stay there. Well, the world is happening, and so they become reactive. Oh, I got to do this. I have to react to some event that happened. And the way to combat that is you can use the world agility, but I'm using it in the physical sense, and I could actually interpret that word to say adaptability. So rather mm-hmm. than reacting, you should adapt quicker and forecast where you want to go, not react to where you need to go. Yeah. So so, in, in that, go ahead. Well, and so when you do those four things, right, there's four Mm -hmm. things, four dials you can turn, right. Mm -hmm. As a leader of uh, trying to manage this complex world is uh, you can choose to change one and not focus on the other, or you can change all four. The question is how much change do you want to drive lead and experience as the leader of your group, I mean, maybe you just change one thing and make that better. And, and so you don't have to change them all because there is a, there is such a thing as, um, as change saturation, right? You can't, you can't yeah. be changing everything. Like the world doesn't work. Like what if you got up and there was no gravity in the world? <laughs> okay. I freak you out, right? Everything's floating. You're like, Hey, what happened? That's the kind of stuff it feels like. Some people are like, what changed? I, I tell you, everything is changing, right? Yeah. So so from that, you know, from the importance of adapt- adaptability, you know, and, you know, problem solving, 
you know, are there any technologies that you've used to really help maybe either conduct root cause analysis or help you to, you know, take some sort of a problem and then uh, continuously adapt, you know, based off the data that you're getting back, measuring that problem in some capacity? Yeah, probably technology or framework. Yeah, yeah. The best thing I can do, and this goes for anything, is um, is benchmark. Talk to people who are like you or in the same kind of, you know, and that 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 says talk to a community that might be dealing with similar things that you are, and say, hey, this complexity, this VUCA world is killing me. I mean, I don't even know what to start changing. And and so you might hear from somebody else. Who, who are the courageous leaders, the ones who just jump out and go, it's too painful to stay where we are. I need to start changing something and find out what they're experimenting on, you know, and be courageous enough to run an experiment, you know, hold everything else the same and change one of those attributes and see if you don't have a better experience. And so I think that that's probably, you know, have, have a scientific um, method, you know, and and be curious, like, how could tomorrow be better? If you start with that premise, you're curious about how to make tomorrow better in some small way. And just start working so, on that. And, you, you know, know you s- yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say what they say about a thousand mile journey, which, which mm-hmm. you know, VUCA world can feel like because you just never run out of things to quit working on, uh, yeah. is you got to take the first step to make something better than it was oh, yeah. yesterday. Yes, that's definitely a problem that I had to overcome after, you know, many mistakes and wasting a lot of time is, you know, just take one step at a time, baby steps and, and take action and take continuous action. Yeah. Don't wait until it's perfect. Don't look at the whole big picture and try to solve the entire thing. Just move forward. Yeah. If you're going in the right, wrong direction, then pivot and go in the right direction. Go yeah. In a different and direction think, and try that way. Yeah. I think there's a lot of things and a lot of it has to do with our, our individual, you know, neuroplasty. I mean, our, it's neuroscience. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people want all the information before they decide to do something, right? Because they don't want to make a mistake. Yeah. But 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 once you learn that, hey, if I just like start like making little bitty mistakes, like I tried this and it didn't work, you know, mm-hmm. you might find something that got you close to where you want to be, but and you just tweak it and it's better. And so yeah. that's that's running those small experiments, you know. And and if you're having, you know, your ability to do that to build that courage and that willingness to, you know, make a small mistake. You can do that in your own personal life. I mean, that's where I would start is changing the way you, because you influence you uh, better than you influence anyone else. And so if you have that mindset of, damn, today was painful, you know, what can I do to not experience today in the future? Then, then you start building this, I don't know, thicker skin to, to learn, not to fail, but to learn what doesn't work. And that's the difference between a failure and learning. I mean, just say, well, I tried this and it didn't work. Okay. Put that in a journal so that when you feel this way again, you go, huh, I tried that and it didn't work then. I wonder why it would work now. Yeah. So that answers my question. You know, how do you know, you know, and didn't, and just be willing to run some experiments. That's how leaders start changing and finding the courage, honestly, to not wait for perfect information. You know, that, that, that's the whole nine 11. You know, we wish we had, would have learned a little earlier. We might've been able to prevent things and 
unfortunately, we it was a painful lesson. Yeah, it makes me think about, you know, you're saying about the journal. It makes me think about what Einstein said is, you know, we the definition of his insanity is doing yeah. the same things over and over and expecting different results. Yeah. And so a journal can be a good tool to kind of go back and remember and recall, okay, I keep doing this over and over the same way. I need to do something different, right? Yeah. Like I need to, I need to go about this in a different way of problem solving. Yeah. And, and on that note, you know, how do you think leaders can really develop the necessary skills to adapt rapidly to changes? Well, the number one thing is to be curious. I mean, I think the number one potential problem for leaders is to think they have all the answers. Okay, you mm-hmm. don't. Two, the most dangerous think mindset. you have to have all the answers. That's that's strike number two, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's creating this concept, and it's and it's in this this new world, which is you know you hear words like be vulnerable, right? Just say. Damn, I don't know, but I'm running experiments to try to be better. And talk to the people that you directly influence and say, I just want you all to know I'm working on this problem, you know. And, and so that that helps with clarity. That helps with focus. That helps with I don't have all the answers, but uh, but but I realize it's painful for all of us to continue to do what we're doing now. Um, those are the kind of things, you know, and, and, and then have counselors around you to say, yeah, that's a good idea or. Uh, I, I might not find that because, again, you know, leaders become myopic and focused. You can be too focused. You can be too much of a perfectionist, right? Mm-hmm. And so any strength can become a weakness, you know, if if developed, if overly developed, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, some of the things that I do is um, really learning to get out of my head. Right. It's because when I when things are changing quickly and I'm actually going through a time right now that I'm I'm driving a lot of change and tweaking a lot of things for optimization and streamlining team efforts. Uh And, you know, when things are moving very quickly, I can get into this zone of just go, go, go. What I say is like I tell my team, I say, look, when I get into this mode and I'm go, 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 and that's really more of my natural state, I just go and I can have a tendency to just kind of steamroll over. Uh-huh. potentially things or people. Yeah. And I, and I tell them, you guys need to say, well, hold on, let's stop and take a breath, right? Let's slow yeah. down a second. Yeah. Let's think about this. Right. And so then, you know, I'll do things like daily meditation practices or Good. just getting into my, what are my safe boxes, right. Of doing something that's kind of like meditation and action, whether it's yeah. going to the gym, Chase running the to, to slow down my systems yeah. and just kind of like reset and yeah. be more present instead yeah. of just go, go, go all the time. Yeah. And that's half the battle, right? Is awareness, right? Mm-hmm. You have to know that you might have a problem in, before you'll ever accept changing it, you know? And yeah. sometimes, uh, you know, one of the other problems is, you know, leaders thinking that everybody's wired like them, driven like them, motivated like mm-hmm. them, you know, and that's where you get people like, you know, they say about people that, that work for them, well, they didn't get it. And I'm like, well, they're just not wired like you. You know, yep. maybe you didn't maybe you didn't lead them well enough. Maybe they aren't engaged, maybe they aren't motivated because they just see it as a job. You know, they're they're yep. they're not here with the vision that you share, which is your internal spark and makes you run on, you know, at, like the energizer bunny. Maybe they need to find their own energizer reason to be and reason to jump out of bed and, you know, produce. But yep. But 
you see it a lot of times. You'll see people who do that for a few decades and they truly burn out, right? Mm-hmm. It, they got two speeds. All the way are broke, you know, and in the shop, right? <laughs> you know, I need I need to take yeah, four months yeah. off because, you know, I have bad habits that have yeah. lost my health, my relationships, you know, my ability to see. And that, you know, that's some of the stuff. Again, this all goes back to how we think. I mean, it's a lot of human in this. And there's a great yeah. book called by Patrick Lencioni called The Ideal Team Player, and he triumvirates it, right? So one yeah. is called Humble hungry and smart and smart doesn't have to do with intelligence. It has to do with, you know, being around people and collaborating and, you know, being intelligent. I would call it the EQ, the emotional quotient, right? Yeah. So it's not the IQ, but it's the EQ. And then humble is don't think, you know, everything. And oh, yeah. hungry, like you mentioned, you know, some people just aren't as hungry as others. You know, I always think mm-hmm. of the uh, hungry, hungry hippo, the kids game where you, you know, it's yeah. And There's a life size wired. one somewhere. Yeah, some people are wired like that. Girl. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And other people yeah. are like, nah, I don't want to play that game because you know I run at a different speed. But mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that they can't be motivated. And then you get into all the like you said, strength finders and things like that. Yeah, you know, people who are woos or just energized, passionate, and you know, those are people that blast off and then go to zero. Um, yeah, and so balance is no matter which element you're talking about is good, right? Don't think you know it all, but know something. Mm -hmm. Don't think you can do it all, but do something. And it's interesting how you say that about the two speeds, right? Because I, you know, I would say probably for the past almost 10 years as I've, I've kind of held back a bit to, so that I'm not like that. Cause that's typically how I would be is like, all in or just like all out, right? So to speak. And for the past 10 years, I've kind of been very conscious of being even killed, Hmm. but now I've this year, I've kind of stepped in and kind of turned up the volume, Hmm. but I'm still, you know, cause back when I was in my thirties, I think I, you know, probably early thirties, I learned that like, Hey, like I need to stop going at this pace. Uh And so now I'm much more aware of it of like, like I can go, 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 but I need to cut it off like five o'clock. Yeah, and like turn it off, spend yeah, time, time with family. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. so that and you so have I, much balance. easier to turn it off and on. Yeah. 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 That's healthy. I'm sure there was something that made you have that realization that it was better to slow it down at some times, right? And get the benefits of that slower pace. Other people, honestly, are the other way. They are slow and they are there and they just need a little boost to yeah. have some passion and, you know, jump in. I think well, part of it was too, is I was, I was kind of stepping out of the way for other leaders that I was bringing in uh, and kind of giving them the reins of like, okay, I'm going to let you kind of lead it your way and support you. Right. Nice. And, and, and so, you know, part of it was, was that right. Development. Was, uh, yeah. Developing others. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a great leadership yeah. skill. Yeah. And then, and you know, along those lines, you talked about culture, right? So, you know, in the context of VUCA, you know, how do you think leaders can foster a team culture that embraces adaptability and resilience? Like what, any tools or any advice you could give there? Yeah, let me think about that one for a second. You know, culture is huge. Culture is that things that you feel in an organization uh, that is not written down anywhere. There's no policies on it. So that's what that's what I mean when I'm talking about culture. Um, you know, and culture is developed and it's curated and it's promoted uh, by uh, leadership. You know, leadership's responsible for culture. 
And so um, the question is, what can you do? You know, I think, I, I think based on what we've talked about, it starts with mission, vision, and values. Who are we? What are we? Mm-hmm. And, and and why? What do we value? Right. So if you work for an organization that values that high energy always on, I mean, think, think about, um, think about, uh, I'm trying to think of a really high stress. Think about, um, air traffic controllers, right? We all hope they don't have a bad day, (laughs) right? Or a day they don't. Yeah. yeah. And so how do they maintain that pace? Um, I'm sure they do it differently, but, you know, those kind of roles, it's in the nature of their work and it's just accepted it as, you know, how, how that's how the job gets executed, right? A lot of companies, you know, were hybrid long before, um, long before COVID and, and were doing successful things with it, right? They had learned and that was their culture. And then there are leaders who say, no, you have to be in the office. And then there's everything in between. You have to be here one day a week, two days a week, three days a week. So everybody's trying to figure out what's the right culture regarding where you do your work for our organization. And there is no one size fits all. Everybody's going to figure out where that sweet spot is. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, in your opinion, um, what technology do you think the world needs that does not exist yet? Uh, I mean, maybe, you know, I don't know if you can think about that, maybe in in the context of VUCA, right? Like maybe you could help with VUCA or some aspect of VUCA. Yeah. Um, let me think about where, you know, some emerging technology. I always read, you know, so I read the Wall Street Journal. I read Harvard Business Review. I read Fast Company. Um, you look at people who are pushing the envelope with new technology. And so, you know, AI and that stuff is kind of hot right now. But, you know, AI as a concept has been around since the 1950s. It just hasn't mm-hmm. developed as rapidly as it has in the, in the past few years. And that's because we have more data, more data scientists, more integration. Um, we're integrating systems that couldn't be integrated before. You know, the speed of the network, data, data. Uh, speeds, uh, data storage, those kind of things contribute to that ability. So one of the things that I think about is how could you use the AI to combat, I don't know, crime? How could you use it to enhance medical predictions? How could you use it? And this is all predicated on feedback loops, right? Because data and, and is data, and without without processing it, it becomes uh, just noise. But when you can process it and make that information usable to decision makers, then you can forecast more accurately. And, and we've had things like this around for a long time. I mean, just look at weather reports. People watched the weather at one time, right, to try to determine what should I wear, how should I dress, right? And yeah. you know, in Texas, you can you know dress one way in the morning and completely differently in the afternoon. You oh, got to yeah. plan for that. So those kind of things is is finding the the ethical and proper uses of technology 
to solve problems that humans haven't been able to solve. You know, computers and what is called artificial intelligence is just people writing software behind the scenes, putting in, reg, you know, regulations, putting in uh, constraints and trying to use huge amounts of data, huge amounts of data to provide information to leaders on to make better things. So, you know, just take the medical you know, area. How long have we yeah. been trying to to cure this thing called cancer? You know, I wonder if there isn't applications with AI and the access to global information and data about uh, solving that problem and, and any other world problem, and, you know, world hunger, access yeah. to water. I mean, all kinds of things. Yeah, and it's definitely coming, right, with the, with all the EMR, the medical, uh, yeah. electronic medical records Absolutely. kind of integrating now. Yeah. Like that's that those data lakes are going to, you know, maybe turn into data oceans. But but it makes me think about, you know, the data governance, right, is that so many organizations have all of this data and they say yeah. data is the new oil, but it they is. don't necessarily have it organized effectively to where an AI you know, plugin could come in and digest that information and actually make some sense out of it. So yeah. I'm, it just made me think about, it. I wonder if somebody's going to invent an AI that can go in and like clean up oh, they already this are. data yeah. and, and make it, you know, yeah. more effective. Yeah. Let for me tell AI you about how that's digest. already happening. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, in, in the natural language processing. So, you know, when I was working in corporate world, I mean, intelligent voice recognition, um, IVRs, mm -hmm. right. Everybody's got that in front of, of their call centers, right, as the first landing page. And we've been doing natural language processing since, I don't know, 70s, maybe the 80s, mm -hmm. definitely in the 80s. That's 40 years of that. And, and it used to be press one for this, press two for that. Okay. With yeah. data scientists and with people who look for trends, now we can gather intent. So if I say, you know, I want my money. They have your account. So the question is, which of your money are you trying to get to? So rather than say, okay, which one? It can say, would you like your savings or your checking? Because that's where your money is. If you say pay a bill, it used to just say pay a bill. And then it was like, okay, which bill? If they know your bills, you'd be like, oh, do you want to pay your insurance bill or your phone bill? You know what I'm saying? So it's getting better. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah, because they have access. And getting the problem smarter. Yeah, the problem is, and my latest certification is on humane technology, and that is if you collect a lot of data about people, that sounds like a good thing, doesn't it, right? You know me better. You can – To some people. <laughs> the problem is there are people who can use your data to influence you in nefarious ways, mm -hmm. hide some data from you, show you data they want. Hide some products from you, show you data they want you to buy. So you see how it can be used for not so good? Oh, yeah. That, yeah that's good where I think, you know, that's where I think lots of opportunities are. And they're already building. I mean, like I said, we have, we have pre-processors for natural language. Who's calling? What do we know about them? What might they want? That limits the range of uh, possible solutions, right? Absolutely. So those are the kind of yeah. things I think that, you know, and it doesn't take long. The speed of, of adoption in this area is super fast. And uh, the faster you learn, the faster you uh, can provide the right service. And I think what's missing is the laws and the things like that to prevent people from yeah, collecting governance. data and using it nefariously.
Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how all this plays out for sure. So, yeah. you know, Kevin, we're, we're coming up on time here. So, you know, what are you up to right now and how can people reach you? Uh, I read a lot. I talk a lot. You know, I, I have, you can connect me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty easy to find Kevin D. Martin PMP. And, um, you know, I, I write stuff every day about stuff I'm reading. So I also curate a magazine on Flipboard called the Alamo Connection. And I put nice. stuff like Fast Company. And so if you go to Flipboard, which is an app you can download, um, I curate digital media. It's a magazine I created. And it's all about stuff that we talk about now. And if I find something very interesting, that's how I tell the world who follows me. And then you can connect with me on, um, you know, just email. You know, you can email me at kevtr6 at gmail or find me uh, at kevin.martin, the number two, at utsa.edu. And, uh, you know, I just I just stay curious. And if you're curious or you want to know what I'm thinking, it's a good way to do it. Or if you want me to talk to you about things I'm not thinking about, but you are, I'd be happy to do that, too. Perfect. Awesome. Thanks for joining us, Kevin. And uh, audience, please be sure to check out his work and follow him on social media. Social media handles will be in the show description. And, you know, just to recap today, we dive, dove into planning in a VUCA world, discussing the role of technology and human science in navigating uncertainty. Uh, we highlighted the use of technology for risk assessment to cause, to root cause analysis and adaptable frameworks as well as the importance of adaptability adaptability and emotional intelligence and team culture. Uh, you know, really for this information to benefit you, we need to take action. Any information is only as good as the action that it's put to use. And so, you know, make sure that you really kind of reflect on your own career, your own life, and and really think about your preparedness for managing uncertainty and change because more change is coming and it's going to continue to come at a faster pace. And so as humans, we need to get good at change and it's always best to, you know, be prepared and have some sort of a plan to be able to handle that change and continuously improve ourselves. So last but not least, don't forget to help out your fellow tech humans, share this podcast and follow me on LinkedIn at Javier Guerra 360. Again, social media handles will be in the, the show description. See you next time on the Tech Human Experience. The Tech Human Experience.